0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Sidrit's podcast. We have another entrepreneur on here, Rourke Kutel, who we're going to get to know today. He's got a really exciting project uh, called Thea, which he's going to let us on even more. Hey, Rourke, welcome. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. Uh, so let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, how, and what are you working on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, my name is Kittel, So I, um, I think I'll, I'll start just by how I kind of got a little bit of exposure to this whole crazy thing called Web3, right. And, you know, that, that really started for me in college in a big way. Uh, I studied computer science, uh, over here in the States uh, at Dartmouth college, uh, But it was really a degree in computer graphics, Um, you know, a lot of modeling, a lot of animation, that kind of thing. And um, I specialized in augmented virtual reality design. Um, And I really enjoyed working at the kind of the cutting edge of a piece of tech, you know, that was still really in its nascent stages. And just kind of from doing some personal projects and school projects, projects with friends, I kind of stumbled into uh some of the communities that were doing uh some of the more leveraged digital asset work um which really became the first big use cases of something like the nft um you know i came from a a gaming background you know and i i I think me i like many others had, had always thought about that kind of utility of play to earn or play to own in that kind of way and um when i saw something like decentraland sort of back in 2018 it was like oh yeah like that just makes sense like that's that's fun and um, by the way so I, 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 own, I
0: i own two pieces of plot or two plots of land in the central land nice so. nice yeah i i i
1: i i came up with a nice little spare for myself back back then too so i, I obviously um you know it, i i got a little financial exposure and when got to stay involved more at arm's length, you know, really exposed, you know, looking at it, looking at it from the design lens. Um, and then, you know, was there for some of the earlier big auctions for like big NFT artists, you know, some of the Beeple auctions on Here's Place back in, you know, 2020, you know, late 2020 territory where that was just wild. And, and then obviously kind of stayed uh, hooked enough in that I was around for when the PFP wave started really rolling through. And, yep. you know, obviously with my initial stake, I kind of compounded that and got to ride the wave of that, you know, being integrated, broad spectrum. And, you know, that's always a lot of fun, obviously, you know, holding something that appreciates quite significantly. But, um, you know, while that whole time, um, I was cognizant of what's the really cool about this kind of stuff. And what is also really kind of speculative, you know, I knew a lot of the the, you know, the NFT really what it, it was kind of a gold rush in 2021 was driven by a lot of speculation, which is fun, but also can run to the end of its fuse, right? Can can sort of start to hit her out. And then, you know, people start to get scammed and rugged and a lot of notable rugs started coming in and the summer. And, and I knew that that was inevitably going to kind of pollute what my initial view of like the technology was in the mainstream. Like, you know, it, it just look at gaming. Like gaming despises NFTs in the mainstream, right? And I think that's kind of a tragedy, but a lot of it is because of some of the ancillary stuff that's kind of gone on in the market, right? And and that goes for fungible tokens as well. And so that's really when um, my, what came to be my co-founders, uh, Lawrence and Nikita um, came to me with, what was the initial white paper for Thea just initially as kind of an advisory role. They knew I had some market experience. They knew I had kind of maneuvered, seen some of the way people act. And, and they were like, hey, is this kind of thing feasible? And I really grasped onto the the, the ethos of the concept back in um, uh, really September of last year. And we continued to refine it and we continued to uh formalize it we all came together as founders we then brought in a team of about eight developers and designers as well and and then we started really cranking this thing out so that's that's really kind of the the my journey from start start to where we are now but i guess to get into what thea is really all about um tell me we're really yeah we're really all about um creating you know a new home for for web communities but one that is where Safety, security, accountability is all paramount, still crystallized into that trustless environment of web 3 You know, we're not trying to come in and take this really centralized approach to due diligence or to community building that sometimes you see. We think that's a bit of an antiquated approach. But really, um, we want people to be able to, you know, create communities, launch projects, and but protect investors from things like rugs you know whether it's hard rugs or soft rugs and protect you know communities that co-sign projects and, and kind of make them accountable and, and decentralize the due diligence process and really micro verticalize what is an otherwise really horizontal world like you go onto opensea and it's like how do you maneuver through that you know how do you find you know, what's cool? How do you resonate with something like, you know, your passion? If, you know, if I'm a musician or something, or if I'm, you know, this kind of artist, or if I'm this kind of um, builder, you know, it can be kind of difficult to solve that problem of discovery along with that security element. So that's really what we're trying to do with it. It's a, it's a platform that's built on top of a novel protocol. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'd love to dive into a little bit of the details too.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk more. So I have your website up it's super slick you know like you you, <laughs> you, you you know you go on theia.finance which is t-h-e-i-a.finance and you guys will will see this too uh but it's pretty sick i would say you know like very professional right it seems like it it's still in the early access phase yep. uh You know, as soon as you land, it says the future of Web3, which is pretty cool. Um, Now, so, yeah, you talked about the the decentralized part of, you know, Web3, right? Yeah. So you're trying to create a market or you guys or you and your team are trying to create a, a platform for content creators and artists Kind of like a
1: marketplace? Yeah, it's a bit of a in in kind of an all-encompassing way. So um, what you see on the, if you go on the landing page, you'll see something called collectives. Um, Collectives are, they can be anything from DAOs to NFT projects to influencers to builders, whatever. You're basically just building a community. And what the function of collectives are is that they basically create their own little micro-vertical marketplace. So, you know, if I'm a collective that all we care about is music and a specific genre of music, we can curate projects, creators uh, that are on Web3 for that specific category, basically. You know, I, I want to support, you know, musicians releasing music NFTs, you know, a DAO that's, you know, musicians DAO that's creating a, a DAO token. And I, and I would want to onboard that onto my little micro uh, marketplace. And those collectives can support projects in two ways. Um, there's a primary market feature, which is where you can help launch projects.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's a secondary market feature in which you can basically sponsor projects that exist in the current market, kind of give your your social cosign, so to speak, like, hey, you know, we love this project. You know, we want people to bring it to our community, basically. And in both cases, the collective can earn a small commission from those efforts. So, you know, they earn a small commission off of like a primary sale in NFT, for example, that they helped launch. Or they earn a commission from every secondary market trade of an asset that they onboard onto their marketplace. And as a result, it, it really kind of, in, in, in a way that, like, let's say you're on OpenSea and you trade, you know, an NFT, you know, two and a half percent is going to OpenSea, right? Right. treated um, in the same way where it's like a commission, but instead of it going to OpenSea, it's going to this community, right? Like this community who co-signed this product, maybe give it a little bit of a spark because they're, you know, notable community in the space that you know shows this artist and love and that has you know some some influence in the market and so as a result we we think that by taking that decentralized sort of micro vertical approach to um, the problems of discovery and trust we can kind of embolden communities as the curators of the kind of the future right Um, we know that we're in a We're in a world of kind of a content overload where you know there's so much out there. There's so much, but it's all under the kind of the same banner. Even with NFTs, there's so much you can do with that tech. You can have you can have a whole world of play to earn that has its own matrix of genres. You have a whole world of music, you have a whole world of art, you have a whole world of pure functional use cases, you know, that that could be brick and mortar. And it can be difficult to parse between all of that. And we think that dows and communities are kind of secret sauce they're kind of the the they're already aligned around a single vision or a single identity and the best people to kind of curate and and organize the web3 world are those communities and as a result you know they're probably also some of the best people when it comes to trust you know uh there are great filters for quality in the traditional world, you know, like if you think about something like venture capital or even some parts of the creator economy, you know, like on YouTube, multi-channel networks in theory, there are, there are some great filters for quality in, in in web two or even the traditional world, but web three is kind of lacking that a little bit. You know, they it's all about this decentralized trustless approach and we really believe in that, but we think that there, A person's voice and a person's knowledge should count for, you know, what projects are good and what aren't, right? And we think, again, the best people to determine, you know, what quality is in the space are the communities that are directly focused on that. You know, I want to listen to the developers, builders, users, you know, for a specific genre of video games about who's made the best version in that genre, right? And. think that's one of the big things that web3 has to offer and so we're trying to kind of crystallize that ethos that those principles into
0: an easy to use accessible platform that anybody can kind of get involved with. so yeah let's let's stay here for a second because i mean you you said a lot of things and i i personally get it what's what's happening here you have people that can invest in another project in another community right? Or be part of another community, which they can kind of like buy as a token, right? By supporting that community and eventually earn from what this community earns. You have the ability to form your own community, whether it's in gaming or whatever your genre is, right? right? Uh, Are you also serving it as a when you start your community, are you also selling it as a Discord type of place where people are coming to communicate, or is it just invest here and we'll send you more information? Or- right. So we
1: want to we want to build out the social aspect of it as much as possible. Right. So with our whole platform, with our design, with our interface, um, we want to allow these communities to express themselves socially as much as we as much as they can. However, we also understand that it's a bit, it's it's a bit presumptuous and sometimes unhealthy to try and usurp the world, like you know, applications, right? You know, to be like the super app, right? Yep. It's, you know, if you try and say like, you know, don't use Discord, use us. <laughs> you know, it's it's we understand and expect and really encourage these communities to have their off-chain and on-chain presences. You know, we understand that those two things are linked in many ways. And so you just want to make sure that we can give easy access to all of those channels, right? So if you have a collective, you know, you'll have all your um, social links, you know, there it's the Twitter, the discord, the medium, the, you know, that are all there. So you can have your off-chain community-driven, you know, um, conversations, chats, or whatever, events even. Um, but, also, when it comes to the on-chain um, stuff, we understand that there's actually some really cool utility that you can do that's sort of unique to the on-chain element. And so we we do want to offer maybe it's like a forum, maybe it's something like a more or more like a Reddit forum on each collective. Maybe it's, you know, we we understand that there's certainly a, a lot of utility that we can do to build out those those profiles. And so we're really taking an, an active role there too.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, are you, so you, you, you launch your own project or collective. Yeah. Are you helping a game developer launch their own project and turn it into an NFT or the utility behind it? Or are you hooking them up with a developer? What's the process like? So, so Let's so say figure, I wanted to start yeah. an NFT project. And I want sure. to be part of your platform.
1: Sure. That's great. It's a great question. So um, first off, theA is, think of it as infrastructure. So we don't want to take a centralized approach to anything at all. Right. Um, we've laid out the landscape and then it's really up to the community. So, so really what, if I'm a builder, let's say I'm, I'm like, you said, I'm trying to make an NFT project, right. Um, first you come to the platform, you create your project profile you know, your, all the information, you know, profile, picture, banner, image, description, what you're trying to make, you know, a thousand NFTs. And then you have the choice of either minting NFTs directly on the platform through like a no code solution, or you can import an existing contract. So if I built out my own smart contract with my own NFT kind of gambits, um, then you can basically hook that to our infrastructure and our protocol. And then after that process is complete, you then can take your project profile and basically apply to a collective. So you can, you can go up to collectives, you can basically like this one, you can hit apply, and collectives, they'll get a notification from this project basically saying, oh, hey, this project maybe wants to get onboarded by you and launch on your collective. Mm, collect- I got it. Yeah, I and mean, then the collective can look at the project's profile, can talk to the founders off-chain, on-chain, whatever they want, really, and do whatever diligence that they want to do. You know, we understand that people have different views of, you know, what they like, right? And, um, and then if they're satisfied, basically the community, that is the collective, they make a... a each member gets a thumbs-up, thumbs-down decision on that project. So if, you, if everybody hits thumbs-up, or enough people do, a majority um then the project then the project accepts basically the invitation they're onboarded onto the collective and then their launch basically begins it can sort of become investable so to speak um by the whole world anybody with the wallet can come to the can come to that collective and kind of buy whatever that project wants to offer now this is where our kind of unique protocol comes into play, because we are all about protecting against basically eliminating hard rugs and vastly decreasing the likelihood of soft rugs. Um, and we do this through basically a, what we call a novel, a novel escrow protocol. So let's say we're, we're, we're talking NFTs. Right? Let's stick in that example. That's really easy. So, if I'm, let's say, minting a you know a thousand NFTs, or I'm selling a thousand NFTs for this project, I can set my mint price for those NFTs. Let's say it's zero point one ether or something. Um, and somebody wants to, uh, basically, wants to buy one of those NFTs. What they do is they come to your project and they purchase basically the NFT as they would in a normal mint. Here's the difference, though, when they actually do that. They're not buying the NFT outright immediately. What they're doing is depositing basically their money into our protocol's smart contracts. And they are issued an NFT that represents basically the, um, the right to mint the real thing. Gotcha. And. And by doing that, by creating that degree of separation between the supporter, a native asset that a project's providing, what you can do is basically escrow that, um, the money that they committed to the project. So the project doesn't actually get that money immediately. Mm. What they do is after a certain target and hit, you know the project can say we want to sell at least a 100 NFTs before we have to like prove to anybody anything or we've got 100 commitments, basically. Once a, a target is reached, a conversion period, um, length of which the project can set, so they can say like three months, six months, kicks off. And during this period, any supporter on their own right, their own autonomy, can choose to basically send back the, um, basically the representative NFT that they issued for the real thing. So like, you know what? I want to commit. Like, I love it. I love this project. I want the real thing. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically send back this NFT to the protocol. And immediately when I do that, I get the real thing. I get to mint the real NFT. And then only at that point is the money that they committed to the project unlocked and sent to the project. Mm. So basically, we're eliminating this... Um, process that like, let's say an NFT mint, where it's this 24 hour high stress endeavor where everybody FOMO's into it. And it's this like huge thing and, and the product gets all this money. Basically it's up to the projects to convince, um, the investors individually or the supporters, whatever, or whoever's buying that NFT in that example, that they're both above board, that they're legitimate and that they're doing something worthwhile. You know, because otherwise, yeah. if I wanted to back out of the project at any time, I can, I basically sell my position back to the protocol. I can, instead of sending it back to the protocol, I can basically sell my representative NFT and take my money back. So Mm. I can take my own money back from the mints and the project will never see it. And so as a result, can allow projects to basically gain a a cast of supporters that are ready to commit. But then it's kind of up to the project to convince them to commit fully. And that creates just a layer of safety and security that we think would result in a much healthier dialogue between projects and people trying to support them in that sort of launch stage.
0: Yeah. But I think, I mean, one of the things I'm loving about this is the accountability aspect that you're holding the creator of the project to because you're now saying hey yes you 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 could i'm sure this could be set up in a way where yes by mandate you'll have xyz funds 1.5 two million dollars however If let's say the community or that collective or the project may have put something like, yes, but you already committed to doing 10% towards a charity or doing something else with it, that's when you'll, once you hit these quotas, that's when you'll get the funds, right? And I think that part is very valuable toward and I get the technology. I mean, you're probably you you know much more than I do, and and it makes sense. Uh, it it makes sense what you're doing to me, but I think you also have this. Uh, you could set it up as an accountability thing, to the project right. creator, that hey, you can't run away with this money once you're minted, because a lot of them, you know, they they don't follow through with the utility parts, and so. Right your platform is serving as a way to yes you're you're fully minted but also you got to do xyz before you can get the funds i mean to break it down to dumb it down i
1: guess exactly yeah yeah it's 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 and we understand that the the cool part is that you know we're not like setting like rigid milestones right like some people would say like oh like would you do like a milestone program it's like no because people have their own individual decisions like you know i my like view on a project can be totally different than another person. But the idea that I'm now kind of a part of a community that's micro community almost that's basically committed to this project, you know, if projects, you know, just goes quiet, if the founders go silent or something and it, and it it seems like, what are they doing? You know, like I, I can pull out safely, you know, and I only have to expose myself fully to the projects it, when I'm the most comfortable, basically. And that decision can be different for everybody else. But yeah, inherently, it kind of creates a bit of an accountability culture and an approving stage for, for projects. Uh, but exactly. also, it creates a bit of a safer environment for project founders to test something out. There's a lot of talk in like, the NFT space and the fungible token space as well about founders, there's, there's no room to try stuff. Because if you fail, it's not just failing; it's also a soft rug. It's also basically—it often gets viewed in the same light as a scam. You know, if you if you don't sell out your mints for an NFT, then the people who did mint it feel cheated. You know, they're like, "Well, I committed to it." You know, like like, where's my money? You know, like there's only 15 people committed out of 100 or something or whatever. And that can, that can really put a blot on a, on a founder's reputation, you know? And that's, yeah, that's sometimes necessary, totally, sometimes totally warranted. But sometimes, you know, you, you should be able to kick an idea out into the world and see if people want it and respond to it. And people like to vote their dollars in Web3. That's a really big way that people kind of sh- show their uh, opinions about things. And with this system... You can, in a really safe way, with really organic kind of dialogue, get people who would potentially be committed, but they don't have to feel like I'm like risking it all. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not putting my exposing myself entirely. You can see whether or not an idea is validated in the real world, um, and your approach to it. You know, throughout your whole process, that initial initial nascent stages, uh, without having to take this really high stress approach to, to things where if you do fail for whatever reason, and that can sometimes even be market conditions, um, you're, you're, it's sort of a permanent blot on your resume. Um,
0: Makes sense. So that we
1: can, yeah. We think that's a really attractive proposition for founders
0: as well. A hundred percent. Do you have a specific target audience? So we are out of the gate, we really want to
1: um, target some industries that are really have a big appetite for web three, but are suffering as a result of the way that things currently operate. One big one's like the music industry. Mm -hmm. So music, musicians, you know, in, in 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 a lot of creatives in that space are, have always been looking for a way to kind of get around the exploitative environment that they're currently in, right? Whether it's record labels, or even streaming platforms to an extent. And, you know, you saw with the big acquisition of, like, Napster, there's always been this appetite for, if I could just get directly to my people, like, you know, whatever. You know, if I end and, and um, having that peer-to-peer element, you know, that appetite for Web3 in the space and the utility of it is is always been really there. But the problem is the way people get, like musicians get exposed to Web3 is through like an NFT mint, you know, like where it's again super high stress. If you don't sell out in 24 hours or 48, you're a failure, you're a rug, you know, the, the only way to market yourself is kind of scammy. You know, it's 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 overall not very healthy. And so mm-hmm. as a result, they go to platforms like Sound Mint or Hi-Fi Labs, you know, that it's like a DAO to help them onboard, you know, these DAOs, these communities, these platforms and basically help you they'll they'll help you with the marketing they'll help you onboard. you know they'll help you with the mints but these communities have to dedicate 100 of their resources like one musician at a time because again the stakes are so high true and so as a result you know we've spoken to somebody like hi-fi labs they really like the concept of becoming like becoming a collective basically where we can onboard you know, instead of one artist at a time doing a mint every three months, we can put 20 artists on our collective and allow them to accrue committed supporters organically over a longer period of time. You know, Mm. then when they're actually ready to go, you know, their value proposition has been really solidified. And so that extends their their range in a big way. So, you know, art and music DAOs is a really big initial stage that we want to go to. Um, But also like DAO, Platforms. We understand that, you know, even making something like a DAB in the space is, when it comes to a, making the governance, you know, making the token, that's relatively straightforward, but then there's always that lin- lingering element of like, okay, how do we assemble the treasury? How do we actually raise the treasury for this? How do we pull the capital? Um and again, it's kind of falls into the same problems, you know, the same high stress, high, you know, that kind of issue. And um, so we really want to allow DAOs to, to form on our platform in a big way. And, and to be a little bit more specific, you can talk about like nonprofit, you know, nonprofits is a really good area for DAOs because it's all the rage right now to talk about um, financial you know accountability and openness in in the nonprofit space and the dow the dow structure is really you know that's what it's all about right you can see where the money is what it's doing how this charity's you know working and you know we think that's a huge use case and we want to be kind of again a healthy platform for those nonprofits to leverage that um technology right in a in a in kind of an open community-driven way, um, and then I think for a third one uh, is again something like Playmarn. You know, we we love the gaming space. We love the builders. You know, we want to support builders and developers in that way too. And we know that there's there's so many types of games and projects that get pushed under the rug in the traditional space because it's not AAA. It's not indie. It's like a little thing it's this little micro project it's this one-off thing maybe it's a 15-minute micro game experience you know maybe it's a maybe it's a mini game on something like roblox or something where it's it's really it's this micro sort of experience and that goes for the broader sort of metaverse economy as well where you know people have architects that build in a sandbox and, and that kind of thing and we want to allow those communities and builders um, to come together and support uh, projects, whether they're you know existing in the market already or launching in that way as well, because you know there's no better people to support than their own.
0: That's so good. Um, yeah, you spoke about music in the Web three space. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at VCon a few weeks back, uh, Gary V's conference in Minneapolis, and uh, Snoop Dogg and his son. I mean, that's one of the areas that. They are focused on right helping right. other artists in this space, uh, right. and and it's it's gonna you know like cut some of the the middleman right, right. and yeah. help artists go directly to to the consumer right right, yeah. uh, and it's it's yeah. gonna make it easier. Uh, and your platform sounds like could be the one to help bridge that gap right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we're really. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. You no, know, yeah, you know, we're
1: you know we're really all about uh, kicking off the next big adoption cycle too. You know, we we want to be a platform that breaks down the barriers of Web three. You know, the you talk you hear a lot in the news or you hear a lot online that Web three is not user friendly. You know, it's hard to navigate. It's hard to engage with. And if it's not if it's any way more difficult than Web two, with without you know providing all the utility that it does, it's not gonna it's not gonna be adopted in the way that we want. And so, you know, for our every facet of our design from the protocol to the interface to the mechanisms to the way people interact on the platform and across the platform and other things, we're really trying to build as much intuition to it as possible. So that you know if you are somebody like Snoop Dogg or or Gary B want to support an up-and-coming artist or and you want to bring them into the ecosystem there's not this brick wall in the way you know there's not this huge hurdle that they have to get over they don't have to be educated for a month on how to navigate how to use everything you know we we think there's a lot more space for intuition in the web3 space and and user-centered design and human-centered design and And, um, you know, that's a really big part of what we're trying to do. And and we're trying to make it again through the safety and security element, but also just the user element
0: as well. I love it. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned nonprofits and again, going back to accountability, right? I, I say this to my wife all the time. There's some nonprofits I like out there, but I don't see where the money goes. I don't, I don't see them posting what they did with the money. Uh, And and to me, that's a big concern, not knowing where the money goes. I'd rather give someone $100 cash than giving it to an organization, not knowing what they do with the funds. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, right?
0: Because uh, every time you see something
1: like you're donating to you know, save the Amazon or something, you think that your $20 is going exactly to that problem. But sometimes it might be going to the intern that they just hired that files stuff or something, you know, and yeah. that just that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. the structure of, you know, and sometimes that's necessary. You know, that's fine. But I think the the attitude that people want is they just want one for something like in the nonprofit space for inefficiencies to be streamlined because they're supposed to solve a problem, right? Right. And it's supposed to be like you know, solving a problem, being, you know, um and clear, and there's nothing that streamlines an efficiency like financial transparency, right? But then there's also the unfortunate part where it's like sometimes you can't trust a nonprofit, sometimes you do take the $20 that you're thinking of donating to UNICEF and you're like, have to second guess it. Like, uh, I don't know, like, do I want to do it or not? And, the, and it's kind of sad because you shouldn't have to, right? And I think a lot of nonprofits that are totally above board, totally, you know, really, you know, um, do the right thing and, and live by the right you know, rules and, and operate the right way, want to separate themselves from that stereotype. You know they want to say like no, we are the right. You know we're doing this the right way. We're 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 here to solve the problem in the right way. And and I think again like the something like a DAO infrastructure really allows for that. And but you're gonna have to get from here to there, right? You know if if obviously in a perfect world every nonprofit's run in a in a DAO structure or at least like has a DAO treasury of some sort. Mm-hmm. but you got to get there. And so really what we're trying to do with Theia is help bridge that gap in a really you know, safe and secure way. It's where you don't have to feel like you're risking it all by entering Web3. We think that that's the, the kind of the mainstream consensus where it's like this sort of ethereal plane, pardon the pun, where it's it's, you know, it's, you don't really, you don't really know what you're getting into. It's been in the badlands. It's been in the wild west, right? And there's a lot of crazy, cool stuff going on, but it's also a little odd and a little freaky. And yep. Uh, and we want to make make it so it's like, no, you know, actually, there's a the lot that's really cool here, and you engage with it and feel comfortable doing so. And and if we feel like there are enough of those bridges are created, you know, whether it's us or other platforms, um, we can really actually moved to web3 as a total as a totality kind of thing where the instead whole space, of Web yeah through web3 existing in in parallel it's now web3 completely right
0: i agree it needs to be easier to use and interact with than web2 right it right. shouldn't be like hey i got to spend 50 60 hours in order to understand i mean us i think some people are gonna have to feel the pain like you and i which have done a lot of research in ours, and hours uh, and obviously it's an investment too for us so we don't want to lose our funds and know what we're doing but not everyone does have to go through that same pain point now how many people you got on your team so we have our teams rounded
1: out to ten at the moment. Um, so we it's also us you know, three founders. We have UI designers. We have um, front end developers, full stack as well. As our contract engineers, an amazing PM that really just absolutely kicks ass, <laughs> and, and and has really made something great with the with the protocol. Um, and uh, and also our community manager, who's again he's he's really great as well. You know he. He he's really, you know, ironically, he came from the community. Like he was just a guy who had a lot of experience in working for in social channels for other protocols, other companies, and Web two and Web three. But just really connected with the vision and and wanted to get on board. So you know, we couldn't be more happy with the team.
0: Nice. Are you completely live or still in the beta phase? So, so yeah, we are currently, um,
1: our platform is running, um, in beta on the avalanche testnet. So the final project products will be fully EVM compatible. So all Ethereum enabled chains, as well as we're building on a rust base as well. So that would go for near Solana, of those chains and, um, so is this is
0: this? Sorry to to interrupt. Is this on the the Ethereum blockchain, or will it operate on? It'll on operate on every
1: Ethereum-enabled chain, right? So that's Ethereum, Avalanche, Polygon, you know, and 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 also as well as you know every major Rust-based chain. So near Solana, etc. And that goes basically. That's how we've designed our protocol. Um, so we have a lot of interoperability and bridges between chains and we've abstracted the entire backend to where if I'm somebody who's Ethereum and I have an Ethereum wallet, I can invest in an avalanche based project without having to like switch networks and change all this stuff. And, mm,
0: and, I got and it. Every...
1: And so, and then it goes for the other way too. If I'm a project founder, that's I'm building a project for Polygon. I can receive supporters from Ethereum, you know, and um, and so, again, we think that's a really important thing for making Web3 more accessible. Right. So just making the chain differential, not an issue. So working with a really amazing IC provider, Exceller, you know, they they do. They have an amazing cross bridge, basically solution um that we have partnered with uh that we're super confident in. But yeah, back to your initial question. We yeah, so we're currently on our test net. Um and uh we uh will be basically from here on out we'll be entering a, a stage of gradual decentralization. So when we do push to the mainnet after our security audit um we will start out basically where we take a centralized approach, where basically the platform becomes the first collective. So we, our team is like the first collective. We'll onboard a really small collection of projects. And then we'll have basically a beta stage in which we have curated select collectives. Um, and we've already made some great partnerships there that we're really excited about. And then we'll move to the fully permissionless stage where everybody can... Anybody can create a collective, anybody can create a project, and that will all happen within really quick succession. So we we are looking to have our permissionless launch within basically six months, um, six to eight months. Um, and, and we'll have our mainnet launch basically significantly before then.
0: Gotcha. That's exciting. That's really exciting. How how are you marketing and promoting? your um your project and um uh, the whole yeah see, uh, you know um uh, yeah
1: so we're 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 taking both a bottom up and a top down approach, so we have our community um we have um i think we pushed eleven thousand on twitter recently and um so I think nice we discord and i think fifteen thousand users on the testnet cur- currently at this point but the the, um, that's notable. all people who would be like supporters, you know, they'd be people who'd be buying assets. They'd be, you know, they'd be, but in terms of the top down, this is where we really feel like we can separate ourselves in terms of quality out of the gate. Um, we are take. we basically are going to notable DAOs communities, whether those are NFT collections or, um, Or platforms themselves like i mentioned hi-fi labs earlier but also like webiverse you know they're a big development house for um, the metaverse and then also something like meta labs or XDAO. and going to them and basically saying hey would you want to be a collective when we launch this thing um and when we do that we can basically form a partnership with that um Uh, Those groups and get commitments from them for that. When we launch the beta, you know, they'll ready. And then as a result, you know, those communities can onboard their entire ecosystems, right? Like whether it's builders, supporters, people already floating around, you know, that's a, we think that's a real, really good growth hack, a really good scale, scalable solution. Um, And, and then also we, we, Yeah, we will, that'll go for the same for like, you know, NFC communities, you know, we've designed collectives to be, um, you can use, you can either create your own um, asset that represents the governance of the collective on the platform, or you can import your own. So if you're like an NFC collection, the founder or whoever owns the private key can basically import the collection where every NFT represents your ownership in the collective, right? So if I own a board ape or I have the membership in the board ape community. Or if you want, they could use ApeCoin instead, right? The actual DAO token, right? Uh, we think that interoperability helps out a lot. And so, um, okay. you know, that, that's there. But then also, we, for our we're forming some network partnerships as well. So we have formed a network partnership with Avalanche um, as well as exceller uh, you know, who is our IBC um, uh, uh, solution, and Nier. So Nier, we actually just received a grant from the Nier Foundation. And um, those chains, while maybe not necessarily becoming collectives on the platform, certainly offer us deal flow. Basically, they'll, they have these amazing ecosystems. They have their own funds that they support projects. And they've been looking for a solution to get the projects that they support into, you know, the world, into, into this, you know, basically the hands of many in a safe and secure way, right? Where they're not worried about it, like blowing up, pumping, doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, they, they look at us as a really attractive solution there. So, um, you know, we're really really encouraged by the fact that you know, a, like a mass entity
0: like Avalanche or Near would, would mm-hmm. back us that way. And kind of lastly, I mean, not necessarily, but how, how can people make, can use this as an investment form, one, mm-hmm. and two, how, it, how are you and your team benefiting from it? So Fea the platform, um,
1: we uh, typically charge a commission, a 2% commission off of every primary sale. So every time a primary sale launches, um, and then we have a 1% secondary commission for every secondary sale that occurs on those, again, micro-verticalized marketplaces. But that gotcha. commission is waived. So it's actually eliminated if you use our native token, which is called T, um, and we have some other elements of utility for for T. Um, it also has to work with being the principal, um, the principal currency that you buy basically stakes and collectives with, and, and etc. But and then we also have a subscription model that you can use as a collective to basically el- wave gas fees. So we um, we will, uh, we will operate, long story short, a lot of these collectives on high-speed, low-gas low networks like Avalanche or even Polygon to an extent, but um, to wave gas completely, you can basically pay between, we've modeled it to be between 50 and 100 USDC per month um, to completely, you know, just wave gas and... Um, so that's where we can benefit as the team. Uh, but generally it's, it's in that kind of commission model.
0: Gotcha. Besides that, uh, is there any upfront cost for someone looking to sign up besides nope, the commission? Nope.
1: Yeah. If you, have a, if you have a wallet, you can connect. So that's, that's, that's another thing that I'm really glad you brought up because, you know, if you're looking at like launch pads in the space, you know, or, um, in launchpads especially a lot of them are token gated where you have to make like a capital commitment to even get involved you know whether it's a builder or as you know somebody who's looking to support the projects buy in and um, for us we want to open the 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 basically the allow for accessibility across all you know means and so if you're if you have a wallet you can engage with all facets of the platform that's buying things on buying assets on the platform, starting
0: your own projects, starting your own collectives. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's so good. Well, I think we're almost near the end here. Where, where can we support you and, uh, where can we find out more about the project? Yeah. yeah.
1: So we have, um, obviously you mentioned our website. That's, you know, they dot finance, um, that's our landing page where you can find a lot of our materials. You can link. There's a link to our Testnet um, MVP if you want to try it out. There's also um, our white paper there, and um, and then additionally we have uh, our Twitter, which is uh, at Thea underscore Labs. Uh, and so that, that's on Twitter, and those are our primary channels. We also have a Discord. So on our landing page and on our Twitter, we have links to our Discord, uh, where you can come and join our community. We have an alpha testing group that are, that's kind of our innermost circle that people, those guys really get to get hands on with some of the, you know, the the newest features they come in as we kind of layer this whole platform in, and we we really encourage people to take part in, in our testing process as we're refining these elements, because again, to get this intuition, right, we want to make sure that it's every, we have as many humans touch it as possible, right? So we can get as much feedback. And so we really encourage people to try it out, leave your feedback, let us know if there's anything more we would want it, you'd want us to add, you know, um, as we layer these things in and kind of get involved. So yeah, that's, that's really where you can find us.
0: That's awesome. I'm super excited, man. Maybe we can do this in about six, seven months from now where, you'll probably be closer to that main mainstream going live. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That'd be be awesome. And even if it goes longer, I mean, there's, you know, there's so much to learn in this process, but I'm excited, man. The whole web three space. It's exciting to me. I actually just had another podcast, you know, with another guy that he's not doing something similar, but he's more in the lunch pad type of phase. Uh, he's in real estate, and uh, I think there is a lot of uh, opportunity. This is bringing the best out of so many people, uh, and I see so many people trying to, uh, you know, like, like, like um, they have the right intentions, right? With with Web three, there are the you know the scammers and the rug pulls, like you right. said, and which which your project is helping fight against it in a way. But at the end of the day, I think there's so many good people trying to do good in the space. And um, that, that's why I'm like super optimistic about the space. I know that it's not as hype as last year, but it's better. It's better this yeah. way, that people are yeah. more optimistic, more more realistic rather. Yeah, exactly. I think there's there's a lot
1: to, you know, like you said, there's so much that's being done and there's so many use cases to cover that it's also a bit overwhelming. So sometimes when a bit quieter, when it's a bit it's a little bit of like a gold brush, it's a real builder's economy. And um and I uh, and I think that really helps fuel these the upgrades to this, you know, this ecosystem. And sure. and I think yeah, there's a there's just there's so much potential and so many potential use cases and and um, you know I'm really excited. I think I think we've we've reached we've we've already crossed the point at which the adoption cycle will continue. You know, I think there was that point in 2016 when we had like a big bump in Bitcoin and we kind of went back down a couple of years. And and you could make the argument that that was just a bit of speculation and there was a lot of buying holding, but not much else. I think with how Ethereum has you know really came along and alt chains more specifically utility. Through the blockchain, beyond just the currency elements. Um, I think that the fact that that those adoption rates are continuing to increase is the really encouraging part. You know that that is what I think makes me believe that you know, we really cracked the the friction of getting involved in this as a as a basically a risk. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. um, and and uh, and it's only it's only up
0: from here. Oh, for sure. For me, it felt like legit real at vcon where there were over 10,000 people uh right. the energy i mean there's so many of us out there and that's a fraction of the community obviously but seeing 10,000 people from all over the world australia germany uh, Peru, all over Europe, all over the world. It's, it's like, it's insane, right? Like this community is, is real, you know? Uh, and, and, and there's people doing the same thing we're, we're trying to do here, you know, like growing in the web three space. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. I think those who, uh, learn, you know, this technology, the sooner you learn it, the more you're going to stand to benefit because you're going to be making the right investments and the right decisions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exciting times in a lot of ways. Yeah, man.
0: Sure. Yeah. Rourke, thank you so much, my man. And I yeah, thank to you, see so you much for having me. To see you again soon. Uh, probably about 10 days or so should have the podcast up. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Thank well, you. Thank you very much it was, for having me. Really it was a pleasure, it. man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. hey thank you so much for listening to this episode your support means so much to me and one way for you to support me is by following this podcast and liking this episode and also by leaving a review in addition don't forget to check out my instagram twitter linkedin facebook and youtube at sidrid.vasellai for more daily content If there's anything I can help you with, message me directly on any of my platforms. Thank you and talk to you soon.